Many things impact a compliance program, how it runs, and how well it works. But nothing has the same impact as the constantly changing and evolving technology landscape. In ComTech, a podcast on the intersection of technology and compliance, co-hosts Tom Fox and Valerie Charles will help you understand what changes in technology mean for your compliance program. Here's your hosts, Tom and Valerie. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back with Valerie Charles, partner at Stone Turn, for another episode of ComTech on the intersection of compliance and technology. Today, we're both thrilled to bring you Neil Lustig. Neil is the CEO at GAN Integrity. Wanted to have Neil on for quite some time. He is not a lawyer, so he brings a non-lawyer perspective to compliance. And the first time I met him, he made clear uh, that perspective, but it's a perspective that I think adds a lot of value, not simply GAN Integrity, but really to the co- entire compliance profession. So, Neil, first of all, welcome, and thank you so much for taking time to visit with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for the invitation. I'm delighted to be here. Neil, could you tell us a little bit about that non-lawyer professional background? Sure. So I started my career with a degree in computer science and applied math, spent the first half of my, my career at IBM as an engineer, and then moving over to sales and marketing. Then for the last, for the second half of my career, the last 15 or so years, I've been running young technology startups and early stage companies based out of both Silicon Valley and New York. The first time I met you, you talked about some of your roles as a CMO and data. And that's what struck me as not simply what was so unique about yourself and what you were bringing to compliance, but that's really what we needed in compliance was someone who could talk about using data. And so I was wondering if you could tell us about some of your work before you came on board with GAN, where data was able to really help either you drive your work or you were able to help customers drive their work through using data really for the first time. I'd love to. This is something I'm really passionate about. I spent a bit of time at a company called Ariba running their both European and U.S. business. And Ariba is an e-procurement company. And Again, for those of you who aren't involved in, in the procurement space, pre-Ariba and other peer companies, procurement was a very manual process. And post-Ariba, with automation, all of a sudden, see, uh, chief procurement officers were awash in data. And so for the first time, they could actually analyze spend data and make big impacts on company P&Ls. And it's all about the data. So all of a sudden, chief procurement teams said, we need to have data analysts. We need to have on-staff dedicated programming teams. We need to have, we need to be immersed in data. We need to change who we hire so that our teams are not procurement people anymore. They're not administrators anymore. That change, which I saw as well in marketing, really is data injected into the space, changes you and makes your team much more strategic. The data allows you the insights to just add a whole different level of value to your to your company, that was the case in procurement, in marketing, as you mentioned. Like that's that change has been incredibly profound. You don't see a chief marketing officer today who doesn't say, "I'm all about data." It's everything. But I, I still, in my travels in compliance, do occasionally still meet chief compliance officers who tell me, "I'm a lawyer. I'm not really into data." And to me, this is old think. Like this is something that has to change because the more we automate processes in the industry, the more data gets generated, 
the more we can connect data sources outside the business, the more your compliance is absolutely going to be about data. And if you don't have that in your blood, you need to hire for it in your team and adapt to that change because it's for sure it's coming and it's unstoppable. So you something that that's the exciting part of of the compliance space for me. Seems like you see not only a business opportunity in the compliance space for the use of data, but really a must for compliance programs going forward if they're going to have be standalone programs adding value to corporations rather than being Dr. No from the land of no. Yeah, and I think that I think that's the perfect way to say it because the compliance team has to move from that team that you wince when you say, oh yeah, I have to talk to compliance, ouch, right? The compliance team has to embrace this role of saying, with this data, with automation, I can change the role I have in the company, the strategic value I deliver, how other teams perceive compliance. And that just is an opportunity to elevate the game, change how you manage risk, change how the, the impact you can have on lowering enterprise risk. And as well, you're, I would argue, if as you see, compliance now is more and more being pushed into other areas, like into your ecosystem, into your supplier base, into your resellers. There's no way to even do this job without automation and data. You can manage risk and ethics in your own enterprise with a lot of hard work, but if someone says to you now, we expect the ethical standards of our business to flow down into our supply chain and to flow up into our resellers so that everyone in our ecosystem shares our ethical standards, shares our compliance standards. You, you can't do that with brute force. You have to do that with, with automation and with data. And so I think that change is inevitable. And again, I think, you know, to me as a technology person, it's exciting. It's an opportunity for the chief compliance officer and that team to really elevate the value they deliver to the modern enterprise through the use of all these this technology and data. I couldn't agree with this anymore. And I am a lover of data like you. And so it's really exciting. I mean, how do you feel like immediately before joining GAN, you were in MarTech? And I think everybody knows that marketing technology is kind of like the king of data. It's, it's been a huge driver, I think, of other parts of the business understanding the value and the ROI of data. Can you tell us a little bit about how your experience working in marketing technology has helped you really kind of drive and be a leader of how to utilize data in compliance? It's a great question. And it's an interesting transition from MarTech to compliance. And for me, one of the things I took away from, from marketing was that data and automation and data science, machine learning, all these things abound in marketing. But that's not what it's about. It's actually about just getting a better answer. Nobody actually wants to buy technology. They want to buy a better outcome. They want to buy lower risk. The path to lower risk happens to involve technology. This is what I took out of my time in marketing. People didn't actually want all the technology so much as they, they wanted to improve their win rate. They wanted to improve the response rate on a campaign. They wanted to improve the offer uptake in an offer they were making to their customer base. They wanted the better outcome. And I think what I learned from MarTech was that's the thought process. You want a better outcome. Now, what data do you need? What technology do you need? What techniques do you need to apply to get the better outcome? You end up using technology, but what you really want to deliver is this better outcome. And that saves a lot of pain. Implementing 
machine learning, because it's cool and it's a buzzword, doesn't have a lot of value. You really need to start with the better outcome and then work backwards from how do I get that? And again, whether that's lower risk or it's more universal adoption or whatever the, the dynamic you're striving for, I picked that up in, in spades and MarTech, and I'm trying to bring that same thinking to, to GAN. Well, and your timing is great. I mean, as of course you're aware, the DOJ is pushing for these sort of data-driven programs and, you know, it's no longer good enough to do the front-end activities and, and then hope for the best. You know, you sort of have to follow it through and have the continual monitoring that really only data-forward programs allow for. For those in the audience who don't know, I worked at GAN Integrity on the founding team and sort of passed the baton off to Neil. So we worked together for a while, and I would love for you, Neil, to kind of tell us about what's going on in the platform, what makes the GAN approach different, kind of what's happening, I guess, right now in the product that makes it pretty unique and exciting. Yeah, so thanks. I'll never pass up a chance to talk about our platform, which is great. (laughs) Uh, So thanks. I think, you know, first, we continue to stay focused on this mission of, we think of ourselves as helping our customers do the right thing, which seems obvious, but as everybody in compliance knows, doing the right thing actually has tons of shades of gray and it's not always the easiest thing. And so technology can help in this process and help people be ethical. And that's that's our, our focus. We're doing this through this an integrated platform. So your audience probably knows a lot of the folks we compete with that are aggregations of multiple companies that have been rolled up and whatnot. And that's that's a fine business approach. That's that's not ours. We are building a an integrated platform that has a number of compliance applications. And our vision is ultimately to build out this platform to have process automation for every compliance process in the modern enterprise. We've got six so far. We're piloting a few additional modules now that can automate additional processes. But to us, this journey is all about, well, one, continually improving our customer experience. So we think of ourselves on a continuous improvement journey. So we we survey our customers. We ask them all the time, how do we get better? We actually have tools embedded in our platform that in real time will survey customers about new features. How did this work? Did this button work? Did this feature work? So we can get better. But at the same time, we also want to branch out into new process areas and figure out where we can get the best bang for the buck. We're piloting, for example, solutions for antitrust compliance and for modern slavery and for a whole set of additional processes that we'll, we'll figure out which priority to commercialize those. But that's our, our goal is to kind of deliver one platform, one data model. And to us, this, again, back to the original conversation, to us, this is ultimately about data. And so we want to have one data model where all of your information resides that comes out of each of the different processes. You might run a third-party due diligence process. You might run a conflict of interest program. You might uh, worry about uh, your gift program. We want all that data to be dumped in the same place in one integrated model so that we can do analytics on it across the board and get you a better answer, get you a better outcome. So it's fun and we're having fun. I think that I think the market and our customers have responded well to this. And even you know, even during the pandemic, which has always been a it's all kind of a once in a lifetime, I hope, experience of uh, continuing to move their programs forward, even you know, notwithstanding all the complexities of trying to roll out programs in a pandemic. 
Yeah, you know, and, and as people hire internal data analytics people, I actually think the platforms and the the offerings that have kind of more than one data set, like already there, are going to be really beneficial for clients because I think there's always going to be different, you know, algorithms and different insights that people want to find, and and whether they do that with an outside firm or whether they do that by hiring a, a data analyst, I think you know, having, it's not exactly a data lake, but having, you know, one company that you can call to export that data and manipulate it and slice and dice it the way that you want to, I think is going to continue to benefit GAN. I mean, how, how are you guys seeing data analytics happening in with your international clients? I think the same paradigm holds. I think the only difference I would put on this is that for sure, and our international clients are mostly Europeans, not, uh, we, we don't have a huge presence in Asia, but our European customers are definitely more, more sensitive, more sensitive to personally identifiable information, more sensitive to this kind of, I think Americans are more comfortable with a surveillance culture and elements of surveillance in a compliance program than Europeans are. So I see the European customers being less aggressive at some of the data use. I think that's a, a point in time. And I think it's kind of on us as the technology companies to put the right safeguards in place so that you can get the benefit of the data and not compromise the integrity of your privacy policy. That's all very new. And so I think that's, I think the European customers probably are a little less advanced for that reason of just being more sensitive to that topic. So just sort of thinking about the future, what do you think companies will need to be thinking about, you know, into 2025 and beyond? Yeah. So, you know, a few things that I would say if I look forward really kind of four years and the first is, ultimately, you have to drive automation into every one of your processes. And this is because automation generates data. You're not going to get data out of a manual process or out of a process that's being driven by email and SharePoint. You have to have automation. These platforms also have to be open. But I don't think we have a be-all, end-all on data. Right? So if you can't take the data in my platform and share it easily, like I'm talking a couple of clicks and the data comes out of my platform into into a corporate data lake or merges with data from SAP or merges with like that kind of interoperability is going to be every day in 2025 if I look forward. And I think you have to assume in the future that you've got to be able to connect to this world of other data sources that lives out there, whether it's published by governments or NGOs or or commercial businesses. There's an enormous amount of data, and I do today find so many compliance teams who say, I'd love to use that data, but it's just too hard to wrestle into my process right now, so I don't use it. Again, I think this is something that we as an industry have to tackle, of just making it easier to get all the world of data into a place where it can just be seamlessly integrated into a workflow and into a process. The last thing I would just say is, if I'm looking ahead, you're going to change your team. You're going to change who you recruit, where you recruit from, who's on your team. If you have a bunch of lawyers on your team, that's great. But you have to plan for the intersection of law and data and technology. And this is going to happen through, you know, over time and through enlightened leaders changing their team composition by bringing on board people who think differently maybe than the traditional person who grew up in a, in a law firm. You got to have both. Right? I'm not saying you don't need law. But you need both. I also think there's a huge benefit to 
being able to more effectively, affirmatively show all the things that compliance people do to keep the company on the track. It's amazing. All of these things that we do tend to generate beautiful reports. And as simple as it sounds, I think the more information and simplicity we can bring to to those reports really show all of the things that compliance does that often go unnoticed. And I think that's a key thing I think that's going to elevate this profession as we continue to drive it forward. And I think, frankly, the technology vendors that are trying to kind of hoard the company's data, that's a special phenomenon that isn't going away. I mean, isn't it funny? It's like all these market dominant companies that think that the way to go is to try to kind of withhold the data that's that's not even their data. You know, it's their clients' data. But it's a it's a real phenomenon that I think is odd and is ultimately not going to serve those companies very well. Data is, you know, in tech, you know, people joke around that data is like manure, right? It needs to be spread around to make things grow. <laughs> There's a quote for the website, Tom. I think the other thing to your point, just to build on your point about simplicity, is one of the things that some of our really successful customers have done is embedded compliance in other business processes so that it's, I want to say it's, it's invisible, but it's automatic. So it's not like after I sign up a new reseller, oh, I have to go talk to these compliance people, right? It's, for example, one of our customers, their Salesforce instance is integrated with GAN. Every time you create a new reseller, it automatically triggers the diligence process on behalf of the compliance team. They're starting to work right away. Instead of being those annoying people you have to call before you can work with a reseller, it's all seamless, it's all automatic, and it's higher value. And then, and then as soon as they finish their work in Salesforce, that reseller is now marked approved, and they can go ahead and do business with them. And that level of integration, we have customers who have done that with SAP on the supply side. And it's not so much about the technology as it is about making the process seamless so that it's all very easy. And uh, you don't have to think about it as a separate step. It's all part of one natural business flow. And now you're really a partner to sales or you're a partner to supply chain instead of, again, those people who have to do this check before you can do what you really want to do. But I think simplification is, is a big opportunity for us. Neil, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time for this episode, but many of the things you've talked about, you talked to me about the first time we met, and that was at a compliance week a conference in Washington uh, several years ago. Like I said, your perspective would be so different that you and GAN would be industry leaders. I didn't know the way you'd do it. I just knew it was different enough that it would really help lead compliance forward. And I think certainly you and GAN have shown that over the past few years. And frankly, I can't wait to see where you guys take it next. So uh, perhaps sometime down the road, uh, Valerie and I can call upon you to, to visit with us again on whatever the next iteration uh, that you guys come up with. And where can listeners go for more information? Oh, well, of course, you can go to www.ganintegrity.com and learn all about our solutions. And we also have lots of interesting content. So I'd, I'd say after you finish listening to Tom's podcast, which are awesome, don't hesitate to go over to the GAN website, ganintegrity.com. Thanks for having me, Tom and Valerie, and stay safe. <laughs> uh, and it's Tom and Valerie's podcast. Take care. Neil, thanks again.